It was Halloween 2012, my senior year of high school. I went to a Catholic school, so we always had the day off after Halloween because it was considered a church holy day. So my friends were game to start our weekend early. On nights where we didn't go to parties, we usually do the same thing. We sit on my front steps for a couple of hours and joke around. Then we would walk the neighborhood and usually end up at this shitty pizza place across town because the prices were so cheap. Since a few of us had recently broken up with our girlfriends, we weren't in much of a party mood, so we did our usual. It's around 10, 10.30 at night and the pizza joint is closing up for the night. There were three of us, me, my friend Pat, and my friend Jack. We finish our food, refill our drinks, and head out. To get back to my house, we had to cross this large mall parking lot that's about four football fields long and two wide. I should mention at this point that we aren't dumb, naive kids. We all had grown up in the city and had our fair share of urban experiences. All three of us were pretty streetwise and were confident on the street by ourselves. But we experienced something this night that we were totally unprepared for. So we're walking through this parking lot and it's absolutely desolate. Not a soul in sight. Suddenly we see a white tradesman van creeping slowly behind us, about a hundred yards back. I know the old white van cliche, but I swear it's a real story. I point it out to my friends and we pick up our pace. We pop the collars on our jackets and we hunch our shoulders out to make us seem a lot bigger than what we were. In an instant, the van speeds up and cuts off our path. Everything in the van is pitch black, so we can't see anyone in there. That's when someone calls out in a non-threatening voice. Hey man, happy Halloween. You guys like Halloween? Despite the jovial manner in which this was said, a van doesn't cut you off in a parking lot unless it had bad intentions. We had nowhere to go. We could run, but they're in a the van. They would catch up easily and we'd have to turn our backs to them. He says it again. Hey man, you guys like Halloween? I respond trying to sound tough. Yeah, but it's, it's over now, alright? So, we're heading home and you're in our way. Nah, dude, it ain't over. We still got tons of candy in here. The tone suddenly shifted and still we can't see anyone in the van. Three of us puff our chest out, get ready for a fight. After a brief silence that felt like it dragged on for hours, Jack cuts the tension by sternly saying, Hey, listen up, man. I don't know what you think you're about to do, but if you don't leave, it's going to be a problem. Once he said that, the back door of the van swung open, and two very tall men stepped out. They had black suits on with black leather gloves and were well-built and strong-looking. But the most menacing thing was that they were both wearing these cheap Mitt Romney masks. That's when we realized this wasn't a Halloween prank. At that moment, all three of us went to take off. But the van started driving circles around us. We had no idea how we were going to get out of this situation. I have no idea what these guys were planning to do with three 18-year-old men. But they seemed like they knew what they were doing. And we were all getting ready for the fight of our lives. The van stopped, and it looked like they were about to make the move. This was it. I mentioned that there was three of us that night. It was at this moment that our friend, Pat, 
The one who had stayed silent up to this point leaned into the both of us and quietly said, Hey, this is a Hail Mary, but get ready to fucking run when I say go, alright? He then picked up one of our sodas, which was in a cup, and threw it with all his might at the driver's side window. The window was open, and the cup miraculously connected with the driver's head. Pat screamed, run, and we took off across the parking lot. The van swelled off in the other direction, and we hurried our asses home. Jack and I were both confused as to why a simple cup of soda got them to give up their plans. Then we found out what actually happened. While we were panicking, Pat kept his cool. He nonchalantly dumped out the drink that was in his hand and slipped a big-ass rock into the cup. Then he waited for the right moment. The driver, thinking that this kid just threw a drink at him, wound up getting pegged in the head with a rock. It probably knocked him out cold, or at least brought us enough time to put some distance between us. All that was left after that was pulling off a miracle and getting the rock to hit. Maybe a guardian angel or God himself took care of that. I'm still amazed by it. But more of the story, kids. Don't panic when you're in a tight spot. If you lose your cool, you lose your fight. I'm a 32-year-old female living in Colorado, and Halloween is by far my favorite time of the year. But one Halloween stands out in my mind that I'll never forget, and it's not for the right reasons. It was 2007, and I was about 17 years old. Once it got dark, I met up with a few of my friends, Brittany, Rick, Curtis, and Micah. We were walking around a trailer park, smoking weed, and taking shots, and just having a good time. We must have been walking for about 20 minutes when we came up on this group of guys that were smoking a meth pipe just out in the open. We just walked straight past them when one of them yelled, hey, as loud as possible. We all stopped and turned around and Curtis said, yeah. One of the guys asked in a demanding voice, want to give me a hit of what you got there? Curtis held up the roach. We just finished smoking and he said, sorry, man. We just finished it off. They didn't reply. They just turned away from us. Suddenly, one of them turned around and asked for $5. Again, Curtis responded. Sorry, man, I'm broke. The guy gave a really weird smile, burying his crooked yellow teeth. But his eyes were dead and cold. It was very unsettling and clearly a forced smile. He then said, Oh, alright. You guys have a good night. We turned back and started walking away. Something was off about that group of people. But then again, they were on hard drugs. We walked for about a minute until I heard a bunch of people running up behind us. It was Halloween at that time, so there was a lot of people everywhere. But it was that group of people again, and they were coming up fast. We bolted down the road, and everyone ran off in different directions. I jumped a few fences and hid inside a random person's shed. My heart was beating so hard I thought it was about to explode. I waited about 20 minutes, slowly opened the shed, and peered out. I didn't see anyone, so I started to look for my friends. Found Brittany and Rick. We looked around for Curtis and Micah. 
Curtis' phone was dead and Michael wasn't answering. We finally found Curtis. One of those psychos stabbed him in the leg and took his wallet, and his jeans were soaked in blood. We called 911 right away. Then we found Micah laying on the sidewalk. She could barely get up, and she told us that two of the guys jumped her and beat her, as well as stealing her money from her pocket. For reference, Micah is about 115 pounds and 5 foot 1. It disgusts me to think that full-grown men were so high that they thought it was okay to beat up an innocent small girl like that. It definitely ruined one of my favorite holidays and I still think about it these years later. If a random group of people ever call out to you, just keep walking. I always carry a taser, pepper spray, just any weapon. You never know what kind of weirdos are lurking out there in the dark. I'm a girl and this happened when I was about 9 years old. At the time, I loved to trick or treat in my neighborhood. This was short lived because by then, my neighborhood wasn't exactly safe anymore. That year, which was 1992, I attended a church Halloween party. There were many kids that I recognized from school and from nearby areas. I dressed up in a little devil costume that year, complete with paste on horns and, you know, the usual. Yeah, a little bold for a church party, but several other kids were dressed as devils, and I saw many girls dressed as witches. The party host, who I'll call Father Francis, stood greeting everyone. I remember he was dressed like a version of Captain Hook. Every kid attending got goodie bags at the door from Father Francis. For some reason, every kid who was dressed up as a witch or a devil got a baggie of homemade cookies. They looked like sugar cookies with powdered sugar dusting the tops. The party was great fun, but I was eager to get home and try a cookie. Father Francis had told us not to eat the cookies there because he said, it's our little secret. I saw nothing sinister at the time, but looking back, something seemed weird and wrong. When I got home, I decided to try one the next day. I remember finally trying a cookie. I almost immediately sped it out in the garbage. It tasted really bad and the powdered sugar was bitter tasting. My mom noticed my reaction and asked to try one. Her reaction was identical to mine. She demanded to know where I've gotten these from. I told her Father Francis had given me a bag of them. Grabbing the bag, she inspected the cookies. She smelled the bag, making a suspicious face. And then she tasted the powdered sugar. Her eyes widened, and she practically hurled the bag of cookies into the trash. Don't eat those, honey, alright? Those are bad. Very bad cookies. As this was a Saturday, we had no way of learning fellow classmates or friends. Monday, I learned the worst had happened. Sixteen children, all who had been given a bag of cookies, had been hospitalized for contamination. We learned the powdered sugar was in fact ant chalk. Of the sixteen children that got sick, two died because they eaten a whole bag of cookies. Thankfully, I never got sick because I only bitten one, but never swallowed it. Father Francis ended up going to prison for 20 years for his involvement. He claimed in his defense he was doing God's work by ridding the world of evil. 
he turned out to be an evil man who felt no pity for the children who got sick, or the two who had sadly died. I heard as they hauled him off to prison, he kept screaming, I did God's work. I'm a tool of God. I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. From then on, I never attended another church party of any kind, and my trust for those figures was pretty much destroyed. I also have almost never accepted baked goods from others again. I kept thinking, what if I had been one of those who had eaten a full bag? Chances are, I've been hospitalized too, or much worse. The moral of the story is, be careful of anything you accept from others, even if they're a person of cloth.